Hello, everyone, and welcome to our special webinar on our M3.4U, the dynamic trading strategy for modern market conditions. Before we get going, I'd like to remind you that this presentation is for educational purposes only. We're not broker dealers or financial advisors, and we're not making any specific trade recommendations. Also, please be aware that your risk in trading options is substantial, and please make sure you are aware of all your risks prior to placing any trades. Also note that the trades that we're going to be demonstrating for you today are going to be hypothetical computer simulated trades and or results. They're believed to be as accurately represented as possible. Keep in mind that live results can vary from simulated results for many different reasons. And with that said, I'd like to welcome Stephen in here. Hello, Stephen. Hey, John. How are you? I am awesome. And I hope you're doing well today also. Indeed. So everybody, we have a lot of exciting things for you here today. We're going to start out by talking about the challenges that newer and mid-level traders tend to have. We're going to talk about what the M3U is. We're going to look at the historical performance of what we call the non-subjective M3.4U strategy. We'll go over the basic strategy, the basic non-subjective rule-based strategy, and we'll go through some examples. And then Steven's going to come on. He's going to talk to you about M3.4U for advanced stage four and stage five traders and how dynamic the strategy is and some of the content within the, uh, the M3.4U program that uh, will help you get to that level. And then we'll have some time for questions and answers. And speaking of questions and answers, you can put those into the chat if you want everybody to see them. On the bottom is a drop-down box. You can put it to everybody where you can put it to only us privately. So you can do that. And uh, you know, we encourage questions, but we may wait to certain sections so that we don't interrupt the presentation or the examples in order to answer them. So just keep that in mind. Okay. So with that, let's just talk about some of the challenges that newer and mid-level traders face. And by a newer and mid-level trader, and I apologize in advance if this offends anybody, but if you're looking for a trade that you're going to trade completely non-subjectively with the same set of rules all the time, even if you've been doing this for 20 years, we're going to put you in the category of a mid-level trader. And the reason is, is because if you truly want consistency in your trading results over time and when consistently, you have to be able to adapt to the marketplace. You have to be a little bit subjective. There's not a, a set of rules that's going to provide that for you. And if you've been doing that for 20 years and you're still struggling with trying to get consistent with your results, realistically, the problem you're having is you're not adapting to the marketplace. When you, know, you take a, the set of rules for any strategy, they're going to perform well, maybe over a very wide variety of market conditions. But if you get to the point, uh, but they're also going to cycle in and out of uh, favor with the market as the market conditions change, as things change, as timing interacts with the marketplace, those things are going to change. And the consistency and the returns of that are going to tend to be up and down. It may be up for a long period of time and then down for a short period of time, but you're going to get that. And you can't expect to non-subjectively put on you know, a trade the exact same way all the time, regardless of the market conditions, and always get the same result. It simply doesn't work that way. So if you want to improve and get into being consistently profitable as a trader, we need to start getting into that next level. And that's what we call a more advanced trader, someone who's actually adapting to the marketplace and being a trader. Right, Because realistically, if you're just following a set of rules, you're doing no more than following instructions. And what's different from following somebody's trade alert? You're not really a trader. You're a person who trades at that point. Now, you can get very good at trading that strategy and follow that strategy all the time. 
but you're going to get ups and downs with the results. Again, if you want to smooth those results out, it comes back to being an actual trader and analyzing the market situation and then adapting to that. So Stephen's going to get into that stuff and that is really cool stuff. All right. So, but anyway, as you're newer, you do want to do these rule-based strategies. So if you're new, you want to get in here, you want to trade not subjectively, you want to get an understanding for the marketplace. And you can make money over time doing it that way. It's just that you're going to be able to, you're going to have to ride the ups and downs in doing it. Okay. So the biggest challenge that newer traders and middle-level traders face is there's so many different ways to trade. And there's so many different you know, even if you just come into our market neutral world where we're doing broken wing butterflies, and even if you only focus on broken wing butterflies, there's still all kinds of different trading strategies for that. And a lot of those strategies within them for a newer trader, they have too much subjectivity for the trader's current ability. So that can be very, very challenging. Another challenge that newer and mid-level traders tend to face is they don't have a huge account. Okay, they're trading with a small account size uh, or perhaps they're newer, right? So they're not skilled at this point where they should actually be trading large sizes, right? You don't wanna come in and put on a $50,000 trade if you're at the point in your trading career where you're just following rules. Or perhaps you do have the experience and maybe you're not confident enough to trade these larger positions. That's another challenge they face. And then uh, people, in general, especially if you have another job, if you have a family and other things going on in your life, they have a limited amount of time. And then, of course, they have concerns over their performance. So some of the solutions that we have for that is if you're into overwhelm, just choose a strategy that's decent. Focus on one strategy. You're not going to get anywhere as a trader if, you're, if your focus is all over the place. You know, if, if you're hunting birds... You're not going to catch a bird unless you aim, unless you pick a bird and you focus on that one bird to do it. If you're focusing on three at the same time or seven at the same time, you're not going to get to, you're going to starve to death, right? So it's the same thing with the trading, the same thing with anything in life. If you want to get good at this type of trading, just focus, find something that's decent, focus on a strategy with a defined non-subjective rule set that is fairly simple and effective. If you have a small account size, or you're not skilled enough to where you should be trading large sizes, or maybe you just have this confidence thing going on, then you know you want to have to make sure the strategy is simple enough for beginners or simple enough for your skill level, and that's traded with as little in, in this case a small amount of capital. And this type of trading would be like four thousand dollars with an exit loss trigger of like five hundred bucks. If you have a limited time, again, you don't want to get into this big complex strategy where you have to watch the market all day, right? That all takes time. It takes mental bandwidth. You don't want to get into that. You just want to get a simple strategy, something you can check you know, once a day, just to take a look at it, something that's relatively simple to put on, simple to adjust. And then as far as performance concerns, yeah, I mean, when you're choosing that strategy, you want to make sure that, again, it's simple to implement, has great performance over an extremely wide variety of market conditions if you're getting into this type of trading, you know, including the current market environment, including the post-COVID market environment is what I would call the current environment, which if you traded before COVID and you did this type of trading before COVID, it's very different now than it was in, say, 2017, okay? so. The M3.4U, when I created this, I created it with all these things in mind, 
right? It's a dynamic overlapping market neutral broken butterfly strategy. We do it on the Russell 2000. It can be traded with as little as $4,000. The adjustment strategy is relatively simple. Very rarely do you actually have to you know, actually sell out of the position and roll the position. In other words, it's pretty rare you would have to do a major adjustment in the strategy. And we've, once I come I think I started this in 2019, or it might have been 2018, that we actually came out with M3.4U. Uh, as far as back testing goes, it's proven fantastic through performance through COVID. Um, it, it well, since 2011, because that's when uh, ONE had that. And actually, if you go into option view and you test it back to as far as you have data, which is like 2006. Fantastic performance through that period of time. And of course, we've been tracking this on option straight for income since the program's been released more or less and great performance, particularly post COVID. So all of those metrics are there with the M3.4U. Now, when I designed the M3.4U, I designed it for specifically for our stage three traders. So if you don't know what our trader success blueprint is, one of the things that we do within our Go membership is we have this thing called the trader success blueprint. We bring people in at stage one, we bring them through up to stage five. Stage three is where we really start trading with capital. At stage three, we're still non-subjective with our strategies. We're still rule-based. I wanted this strategy that was relatively small-sized, a strategy that has a really good track record and a strategy that's easy to manage and that somebody at that level can trade non-subjectively quite easily. And then I also wanted with the strategy to allow the people to use that strategy to transition into stage four and stage five, where we become subjective traders. So I wanted the strategy to be a little bit flexible in the way that it's traded so that we can, we can take advantage of our subjectivity once we get to that point in our trading career. So as far as performance on this, this is from 2011, because that's all we can get back in Option That Explorer. But over that time period, you know, 76% winners, and high pro- so that's high probability. It has an outstanding win-loss metric. So one of the things with a lot of strategies is you might get a 90, 95% win rate out of the, them. But when you look at the, the amount or the average win versus the average loss, you'll find the average loss is much larger than the average win. And then, of course, when you see the largest loss versus the largest win, you'll also see that a lot of times the largest loss is much more than the largest win. And that's okay, but it's not optimal. Ideally, when we're trading these strategies, we want our average win to be higher than our average loss. And we also want our big losses to be less than our very large wins. And that's one of the things that I really love about this strategy. I mean, even the standard classic M3, for example, your average wins about you know, 5% of planned capital. Your average loss is about the same. But when you go to largest win versus largest loss, you'll see the largest loss on a, on a classic M3 is much larger than the largest win that you'll see on a classic M3. But what this means is that you don't have to win as often. You have something, Stephen? Yeah, I was just going to say another critical metric for those that have been trading for a while, they'll follow profit factor, Mm -hmm. which is simply the ratio of your win rate times your average winner Mm -hmm. uh, divided by your loss rate times your average loser. And 
anything above one is positive expectancy. So 4.7 is tremendous in the trading world. I mean, anything over two is exceptional. And this goes all the way back to 2011. So, you know, what John's explaining, the mix of the win rate with the average winners versus losers in the size is, is just outstanding with that kind of a profit factor. Yes, yes, absolutely. And, you know, Raymond's pointing out during 2018 and 19 was fairly flat. Was this COVID or did the rules change in 2020? First of all, uh, the rules have not changed on the strategy, except we had a minor planned capital change from when the program was written. It actually lowered our planned capital number a little bit. But other than that, the rules have not changed. The challenge since COVID, this thing has been Absolutely fantastic. I mean, we've been really taken off here, right? Since 2020 and 2021, we did really well. 2018 and 2019 was a period of time in the marketplace where implied volatility was less than actual or realized volatility or actual volatility in the marketplace. So, one of the things when you get into a flat delta trading strategy is that that strategy essentially, in order for that to be profitable, what essentially has to happen in the marketplace is your implied volatility has to turn out you know, at the time of entry, for, for, uh, for example, but really it's, it's kind of throughout the trade, I'm, I'm greatly simplifying this, but your implied volatility has to be larger than your actual volatility experience in the marketplace. When you do that, and Steve is making a comment that he assumes it's because of low volatility, and that's not the case. We've, you, know, you get 2013, which is much more low volatility than 2008, 2019. Yeah, it's the it's we, the we rate, performed it's, fine. Yeah, it's Steven. a transition. Yeah, I was just gonna say it's 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 not necessarily the nominal implied volatility. Well, that's good. It's the transition or rate of change. We went from stable volatility to explosion in 2018, 2019, and then it would drop back down and then explode again. And when you're in the middle of a position like that, any of these kinds of positions can be quite vulnerable. But I just want to point out that, you know, again, this is the rules-based performance as if you never, you wouldn't even have to look at a chart. You wouldn't even know how to spell Russell or SPX. And this is what you would get. So if you were to add, add subjectivity, some charting and uh, implied volatility analysis during that period, there was some great opportunities. Absolutely. Absolutely. But I can tell you that the majority of uh, any trading strategy that you have that was rule-based, if it made money in 2018 and 2019, it's only because the strategy was either directional or the timing happened to be yeah, just just right by coincidence. But if you take a if you take a broad spectrum, and and you know we have our strategies, and I, I also know of hundreds of other strategies, right? And there's a lot of them that I check in on and see how they're doing. And pretty much during that time period, it was similar type of thing where where the performance was down in the in that time period, and that was the case here as well. And this was also pretty much noted across. The range of pretty much all of our strategies, but we can't again. That's that's a temporary thing in the marketplace, and now now we're back to a, a new market environment, which is actually really really good for these types of strategies. In other words, it goes. The market often goes from one extreme, being very poorly matching the strategy, 
uh, regardless of what that strategy is, and then flipping to being very beneficial to that strategy. Yeah, so and, 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 I, and I think I could touch on a few things, and we could talk about, John, on my section of what are some of the signposts for when the strategy might be in a poor environment, right? Mm. So if you want to be rules-based, you could say, hey, I've got these, these signposts. My antenna is up. Maybe I'm going to go to the sidelines because I don't want to be a subjective trader. And, you know, there's a, there's a good chance that you could avoid some of these choppy periods in the equity curve. But on the other hand, you know, we'd like to see people evolve into adding the subjectivity and how to take advantage of it. So, you know, depending on your goals, your risk profile and your lifestyle, you, you may just want to be a rules-based trader, but you can add subjectivity from the standpoint of, you know, maybe it's not a great environment for the strategy and you do something else. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, those, those are very good points. So anyway, I really love the metrics, the, uh, the, the historical performance of this. I really love the metrics uh, that come back at us too. So um, that's great. So let's just talk about the basic strategy and then we'll go through some examples and we'll go from there. So we're going to be doing this with the Russell 2000. The analytical software that we're using is ONE. Thinkorswim is very close in modeling to ONE. So they're not exact, but they're very close and you can really analyze it with any of those. Uh, entry configuration, we're doing ONE by the way. Uh, entry configuration is a 60-40 broken wing butterfly, or at least that's the base entry for start. Our example size is $5,000 planned capital. Nowadays, it's actually 4,000 planned capital. All the return numbers that we talk about on this are going to be off of 5,000, but the reality is we never get more than four in the position, so it really should be 4,000, but that's just semantics. So uh, that's making our minimum position size $4,000. The basic strategy and back testing parameters and the parameters we use, the trade duration up to 56 days. We're going to check this and adjust it once a day. In other words, we're not looking at this intraday. It's it's meant to be fairly hands-off. You know, you check the market once a day, you look at your delta numbers. Am I in trouble? No, we leave it alone. Is there a problem? Yes, we make an adjustment or whatever we need to do for that. Um, a profit target. This strategy does not have a profit target. There are advantages and disadvantages to having a profit target. Uh, we chose not to put a profit target on the strategy. Our expected average profit per trade is approximately 5% of our planned capital. Our exit loss trigger is $250 a lot or 10% of our planned capital using the $5,000 number. Okay. Raymond had another question. He said, back testing with toss seems much harder. There's, there's no question about it. I don't even think it's really... It's not really, possible. it's not really even possible. It's not real yeah. possible. Yeah. Not with these type of strategies. Yeah. If you're going to use toss, do you use the smile setting? No, you would just nope. use individual. We're just using everything individual. That's the way yeah. we design it. That's the way we're trading it right now. Um, there are advantages to using the smile, but anyway, yeah, two fifty for for a lot is actually ten percent because um, when we're doing a five thousand dollar plant capital position, we're doing a two lot. That's going to be our minimum size. Okay, and. Mm -hmm. That is that. So let me just run through some standard examples really quickly. And then we'll talk about some other things. So this is essentially our trade setup. I'm just going to do January, February, March of uh, expiration of 2021. This is uh, the setup. So we're going to come in. 
we're going to take a look at this. We're going to enter, and this is minimum size. And the reason it's minimum size is because we split the upper strikes. Um, we have a forced adjustment, uh, incremental ability, a forced, what am I trying to say? A forced increment of adjustment on the strategy, right? So when we did the rule-based strategy, we're trying to take as much subjectivity out of it as possible. So for example, if you have a 10 lot on or 10 butterflies and you had to make an upside adjustment and your upside adjustment is moving a vertical, you could do that with, you could move one vertical, right? You can, you, you can do one vertical and you can um, make that very small adjustment. But if you're doing a one lot and you do one vertical, that's a huge adjustment, right? Because instead of, instead of moving your upper long by one tenth down by, you know, one strike out of 10 down, you're moving 10 strikes out of 10 down, moving yeah. the whole thing down. So that's a huge difference in incremental adjustability. The way we even that out is we force certain increments. Um, yeah, it, it amplifies it. Yeah. So if you have a 10 lot, you can, uh, you can be more refined, but you may be getting to this, but I just want to note it um, that John, you guys should notice that John's got a 50 wide uh, upper wing, and that is because of the specific skew environment. Right, right. So, so what we're going to do is we're going to model our base as a 60-40. That's generally the entry, going to be the entry um, here. But this is more of a test than anything else. We're going to put the 60-40 on. We're going to say, hey, what's our delta number? Um, if our delta number is outside of our range, then we're going to start widening the upper wing to bring it down into range. Right, so on a trade this size, it's what? It's um, plus four minus three is our delta range coming in here. Um, and there's a very specific way we, we do it. So we start with a 40 point wing and then we widen and we narrow. Sometimes you have to narrow depending on the applied volatility environment. And then, you know, sometimes we move the lower longs. That's the specifics of that are within the rule sets that are in the program, but basically this is what you're doing. You're, you're going, starting with a 60, 40. Oh, that's not good. We're going to have to widen this out to get into range. All right. Question. So do you start uh, to model? Yeah. You model with a 60, 40, and then you, then you adjust it to get the Delta range in. I mean, you're not going to make an actual trade until you know what position you're going into. Hopefully that makes sense. Um, all right. So from there, we have a Delta range of my, of minus three and plus four, if we're inside the tent. Okay, uh, if we're outside the tent, our delta range changes. But let's go, and you'll see this as, as we move along here. So I'm just gonna go kind of day by day. And first day, we actually experience a fairly large up move here. And we end up outside the tent. And it's not really the tent, it's the upper long strike. So I'm outside my upper long strike. And that being the case, the negative delta limit shifts from, from minus three to zero at that point. So being zero, we're, at, we're actually at negative delta. So this is gonna require an adjustment. And the adjustments on this are very simple. They're mainly deal with moving the upper wing in and out. And sometimes depending on the capital in the position, we're gonna be moving the lower wing as well, or the lower options as well. So you can essentially correct this with verticals and condor orders. All right, so, but here we are uh, negative delta. So we're going to try and bring this in range. 
And again, we have a forced adjustment incrementality uh, increment. And this is our minimum adjustment increment. We do that and look, hey, we're in range now. We're between zero and plus four. So we're going to do that. Now there are some nuances in the rule set here, but again, this is basically what we're doing. So we're gonna make that adjustment. And now we're gonna be in this position here. Question, is there any further consideration of IV like avoid buying low IV? And the answer is no. There's, again, this is non-subjective. We're not looking at price. We're not looking at implied volatility. Uh, we can see what our implied volatility skew structure is on the t, in the T plus zero line. And you know, for those of you who are in the more advanced programs, you'll, you'll know what I mean by that. But we can see that in a T plus zero line and it's gonna force an adjustment. So if you're gonna have very low implied volatility like 2013, you'll actually be negative delta on entry. And you're gonna have to make an adjustment of rolling in or making the wing shorter probably on both sides in that environment, okay? So it's, it's gonna automatically adapt to the market environment in that manner. So here, oh, and I'm just gonna go day to day here just so you can see them go, see, see um, how this goes. So this is something that you want to be careful of in backtesting. Yeah, the delta ranges I'm, with, I'm referencing are for a two lot, yes. This is a bad tick. So everybody should know that, right? So I'm, I'm showing negative delta at, at 330. The good thing about O&E, one of the things I like about the software is that it shows a scatter plot of where the PNL was during the day. And you can see that the whole day the PL was here, and it just happens that my adjustment time is 1530. It's showing me negative delta, but the reality is this is a bad, this is a bad tick. Right? If I go, in other words, if I go five minutes later, uh, we go a couple of minutes, a couple of minutes later here. Mm, it's just not updating. It may not be updating. Oh, oh, you know what? The market might be closed. This, this is a half day. This is after Thanksgiving. So, but anyway, if you didn't know that back testing, right? If you didn't, if like we didn't, I didn't realize it right off that the market actually closed this day at one o'clock. So I would have to go back to one o'clock and actually see my Delta numbers and I wouldn't want to try to make an adjustment here. So you have to be careful when you, when you back test to make sure you're doing it properly. Uh, but anyway, there's no adjustment here. Right now we're back to normal at this point. It's just taking some time for this thing to develop, but sometimes that happens. So here we are legitimately negative delta. We're, again, we have to be positive. So we're, we're negative and we're gonna make an, another adjustment because we're negative. We're gonna look at moving this. And then we're going to be plus 182. We're limiting our capital in this position, this size of $4,000. So I can make that adjustment. If I go over that, I'm going to have to move this lower long up to take the capital out of the position. But yeah, right. On a holiday, I would have adjusted yeah, at like 1230, or I would have checked my checkpoint time at 1230. So we're going to make that adjustment there, positive delta. And let me just go to next adjustment here. Which is on the 24th, right? So this is how long you can go without doing anything. Uh, this is the fourth. This is 20 days later. 
So basically for the, for 20 days, we just kind of uh, ranged in and out and didn't hit any Delta triggers. And then finally here on, on the 24th, we have a trigger. Again, this is may have been a half day in the market. I don't know, but we ended up adjusting this here because it was negative Delta. And this was the position afterwards right here. Notice we had to also roll in the lower longs. So I'll show you how that goes, right? So um, minus one plus one, whoops, I'm over capital in this position. Again, we do this in the modeling software and then we decide where we're gonna go and then we make our trades. Uh, oh, and then I can roll up the lower long. If that is still too flat for me, which I probably adjusted this at 1230. So that's why it's off a little bit. But that, if that's still, if that doesn't correct everything, then we have to take the two of these down and go here. And that is our new position coming in. So you can see we're still within our capital limits and we've corrected the uh, Delta issue that we had with the strategy. So let's go here. And then if you go, it's the 24th, nothing till the 14th. And oh, actually we end up closing the position. So let's take a look here at what the position looks like. So at this point, we're up $225. So this is a $5,000 or really a $4,000 position. And we're up 225, it's about 5%. That's, that's like an average, um, um, that's like an average type of a return on this, about around 10%. And that uh, is, a, is, a, is an example of that. Now I have two other examples and then Steven has his other examples. But before we go on, what I'd like to do is just tell you about the program and then we'll go from there. So the M3.4U strategy is, the program is a lot more than a set of rules. So I just kind of showed you the basic rule base of the strategy, but the program is, is much more than that, okay? So I chose the M3.4U program as a core trading program for stage three of the Trading Success Blueprint for a reason. And part of those reasons is for our beginner and intermediate non-subjective traders, the program includes a very well-defined proven strategy with the guidelines, with multiple detailed examples, including the unusual situations and the different types of adjustment triggers you might get into. For our more advanced traders, the program includes advanced lessons, including lessons on adding subjectivity, combining M3.4U with other strategies, how to properly interpret backtesting results and trading results. So one of the big challenges that traders have when they get into this type of thing in the business, they start back trading and they don't really back trade properly. I mean, there's a lot of aspects that go into back trading to get any sort of a realistic result. So if you've ever back tested a strategy, for example, and then you went on into live trade and you're getting very different results, it's not because back testing doesn't work, it's probably because you didn't back test properly if you're not getting the expected results in the strategy. The reality is, is there's certain things that you really need to pay attention to and certain realizations that you have to be looking at when you're doing the back testing, if you hope to get the results in the future when you're live trading. And we, we have a big, we have a segment on that in the program. We also have lessons for stage four and stage five traders, which are our advanced subjective traders, where we demonstrate when and how to add subjectivity to the strategy, including a lot of powerful examples. So 
The other thing that we have is we talk about combining M3.4U with other strategies. So um, if you have a set of trade rules, that set of trade rules has its advantages and disadvantages. And it doesn't matter what the rule set is. And if you understand where a strategy's weaknesses are and you have other strategies, you can combine them to cover up a weakness or to take advantage of a situation where the market is pushing against the weakness of the strategy, okay? And you know, we talk about, and we show examples of trading with this in combination with other strategies, such as an M3C, a V32, and a bearish butterfly. These, this strategy works very well interacting with those. So the M3.4 year program is a powerful trading strategy, plus, Again, the additional lessons to help traders become skilled enough as a trader to rely on trading as an income. So, you know, as Stephen, <laughs> Stephen affectionately calls it a gateway strategy to get up into the pro level. So we really like that. So let me take a look at this. We're having a sale and we call it a Black Friday sale on this program until November 29th. Normally it's $12.95. Basic members, which are free members, get $50 off. Our GO members, it's going to be 1045 and our pro members are only $895. I think that's like $350 off the program. So that's a really steep discount on the program. And to get to that, if you're a member, then all you need to do is go into our community and you go down to, if you're a Go member, you go to Go Discounts, right? Go member discounts. And you can come in here and you can buy that with the discount. If you're a Pro member, you can go with the Pro member discounts and you can do that. If you are not a member, you'll want to become at least a basic member. Go to our main website and look for trading courses, option strategy courses, uh, M3.4U, and you're going to have the special rates depending on your membership level there. Again, you can just join free as a basic member. Okay, so that's how you get that. And we will move on. Go ahead, Stephen. Yeah, hey, I was going to say there's one open question. I've been fielding questions as you're providing okay. that info. One open question from Jay. He says, on your previous example, why hold the trade for 56 days if you can pull a 15% profit in seven days? Well, what if you have a 15% profit in seven days and you can have a 40% profit in 56 days? Right. Right. We so we don't know. Yeah. Right. So, so if you're being non-subjective, right? So there's, so let's talk about this for a minute. There's advantages and disadvantages to arbitrarily setting a profit target. The advantage of setting a profit target is your win rate goes up. The disadvantage of setting a profit target is that you're, you, you cut out all the big winners. Right. So if you take this to an extreme, for example, and I put a profit target at 2%, you know, well, you know, if I make 2% a day, why don't I just take my 2%, right? So you can take that number to anything. But if we go to the extreme 2%, you know, I can win 2%, 2%, 2%. But if I have a 10% exit loss trigger, one law, and a lot of times we'll, we'll exceed exit loss triggers because sometimes the market might gap, right? So if I end up taking a 15% loss, for example, on my planned capital, I'm only making 2% gains. That's a dynamic that, you know, how, how long is it going to take me to make the money back up? It's going to make take me a ton of time at 2%. You know, 2% wins is going to take eight wins in a row to get back positive, assuming that um, I still have the uh, mental ability and financial ability to trade full size after I've taken maybe one or two maximum losses. If I take two, it's going to take uh, not 
not seven trades, it's going to take 14 trades. It's going to take me a year to get back to break even. So those are the dynamics you're playing with. When you have no profit target, you go to the other extreme where your win rate is the lowest that you're going to see. But on the other hand, you can get 30% gains. We've had 30 plus percent gains in the strategy. And that makes up for a lot of, a lot of normal losses. Okay. So that is the way that it runs. Now, again, this is being non-subjective. Would I recommend at times subjectively adding a profit target to a strategy? And the answer is absolutely yes. Would I recommend at times not taking a profit target on a strategy? And the answer is absolutely yes. So once you get to the point where you're subjective, you can do that. I think it's useful to trade a strategy with a profit target and a strategy without a profit target and you know, yeah. kind of do that. Yeah. And I think but, that was probably that bad tick day that he saw. I don't know that that trade was ever up 600 bucks. No, no, it was never up six hundred dollars. It yeah, was only so. it, at most it was up five yes. percent. But I have had we have had trades with this. Sure, been sure. Up like I, that. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you, yeah, you, what you're saying absolutely still applies. But in that specific example, I think that was a I think that was a bad tick day. Right. Right. Yeah. And let's see. Is there anything else? Yeah, I, I had answered one. Let's see. Alexander B. had said, you know, have you made any changes to the course as the market changes? Uh, we haven't haven't needed to. Haven't needed to. And the performance here right. has been, I don't know, remember the exact numbers, John, but I believe it's having a, quite a good year. We're almost a, trade for trade where, well, after, after today, when we close today's trade, we'll be up about 110% trade for trade for the year, which is good. If you split that in half because you're, you're running overlapping trades, then you're looking at, you know, 50, 50% plus. But yeah, on plant uh, capital. Yeah, that's fantastic. Right, so, and and that and that's using five thousand dollars plant capital, not four thousand dollars plant capital. So if you were right, it's actually a lot better than that, right? Right, and you know if you throw in the fact that Russell has been in a gigantic wide range and at times quite erratic, mm-hmm. this is without using charting and the uh, the trade right. adapts. It's sort of self-adapting, really. The uh, the rules-based version. Absolutely, yeah. In a way that in a way it is, the way that we uh, laid that out. So that is. What we have? Is there anything else here? Yeah. So this, people talk about Russell versus the SPX. This is a Russell trade. It was designed and developed on the Russell 2000. Uh, the SPX moves a little more than we would like for the strategy. It doesn't mean that the strategy can't win. If you're in a particularly if you're in a bullish environment, it'll probably do fine in the SPX. But there are certain conditions in the SPX where it's going to be a little bit more problematic than the Russell. So you want to make some rule modifications if you're trading it exclusively in the SPX and non-subjectively. If you're trading it subjectively, that's perfectly fine, right? And that, okay, that's that. So this was the end of that trade. Now, at the same time, we have, we're entering these 56 days to expiration. We're essentially going to zero unless we stop out. Again, there are times where you're, when there's no money left in the options, like the market gets so far ahead of the options, like it is now, there's really, there's no money in the options. This is the mid price of the options, right? There's really nothing you can do here. You can sit and hold it. I mean, you never know. You may get a move. You know, we're so far ahead above the market now that wouldn't happen. But if you're down in this range here, you may get a move back into the tent and end up getting a bonus month. So sometimes it's worth staying on. But um, at this time, uh, you know, if you if you get to that, you can. You can pull the trade if you want to. If you can, if you can go to get good execution on the way out. If you can't, usually I'll just let it expire. Um, as a matter of fact, I have one of these expiring today. And 
So let's talk about, oh, and Alex is talking about uh, how do you transition yep. subjects. Stephen's going to be talking about that yeah. after I, we I, go over I, Hey, guys, why don't we do this? Why don't we uh, table the Q&A towards the end and let us get through the material? Because it will probably answer quite a bit of the questions. Exactly. Thank you, Stephen. Yeah. So anyway, I have, at the same time, I have this trade going. And this started the same way. Right. So if we go to our trade log and go back. Okay, now we're 56 days to expiration. Here's our setup. We are actually with 50 point wings because, well, again, the 60-40 worked, was too positive delta due, due to the uh, implied volatility structure in the marketplace. So this is December 28th, January 6th. We're actually drawn down money here. So this obviously we had an issue with the implied volatility skew. So let's go back. Yeah, okay. So yeah, so this might be worth looking at. So here we are, right? We're in the trade so many days, right? Three days. We transition into the new year. And we're you know, we get back towards the 10. Now we have a positive four delta limit. So this isn't a concern. So we wouldn't do anything here, but we're down like $128. If we go the fifth here, and despite the fact we made no adjustments, the T plus zero line crushed down, right? That is a implied volatility. The implied volatility, the actual implied volatility of the marketplace didn't shift in the same manner that the model was expecting it to shift. Right. So in other words, these models have preconceived calculations in them saying that if the market goes down a certain amount, you're going to get a certain type of implied volatility shift. If the market goes up a certain amount, you're going to get a certain type of implied volatility shift. That's not always the case, right? Sometimes the implied volatility, or very often the implied volatility shifts quite differently than the model. And this is one of those cases here. So um, for no fault of our own, we just happen to get drawn down a little bit. Now, this type of position, one of the things I really like about it is it actually minimizes that effect. If you're in a butterfly call structure, for example, that, that effect is magnified. If you're in a condor, that effect is magnified more. This actually minimizes it. So um, anyway, we are negative delta here. Uh, so we're going to make the adjustment that we would normally make. And that's gonna shift us into this position here. So if I go forward, Okay, this shifts back. So let's just give this a few days to settle out. And what I like at this point is we don't get a T plus zero line crush anymore at this point because we're stabilized by the expiration line. And let's see if we get to the next adjustment here. So basically this is what's going on. Let me go to January 19th, oh, the 20th. <laughs> Um, so here we finally hit negative delta. One of the thing, interesting things about the market and implied volatility skew, and then when you're in a position like this, is if you're not getting the negative delta triggers, it's because the implied volatility in the market's not dropping. And if the implied volatility market in the market's not dropping, generally you don't want to do the adjustment because a lot of times you're going to end up getting a big down move. But uh, you know, not always the case. But that is is what it favors. And, and I just like that dynamic of the strategy. But anyway, we're going to, now we're in our 60-40 finally. 
and we're at 1.23 delta positive. And then I'm just gonna go to next adjustments, January 21st, nothing till February 3rd. February 3rd, we finally hit some negative delta. We're gonna roll in here and we're already at 4,000. So we're gonna to have to roll our lower longs up. And when we do that, we end up in this position here and we're uh, to up uh, what 130-ish. And I'm gonna hit my next adjustment, it's February 9th. We are at 210, we're minus delta, we're gonna roll this in. Again, uh, we're near our net maximum positive, so we're gonna end up rolling up our lower longs. Realistically, there's not much money here, and whether you wanted to do that or not, again, that kind of gets into subjective, but this is what this strategy does. So it goes here, and then that's probably the end, I would imagine. So let me just go to next adjustment. And that closes the trade. So let's take a look at where this is when it closes. And again, I would I would be expiring these. I wouldn't even trade out of them, but uh, ends up being up $212 uh, for that, which is a little under 5%. It's 5% if you figure 4,000 point capital. So again, that is about average for an average gain. Um, that's what that does. And then of course, we also had this trade that went on, which is our March trade, which started on the 22nd of January. And I don't know if we show any down adjustments or not in this time period, like the market was just up. Yep, so here we are. We are uh, negative delta. So we're going to make that adjustment, rolling down the upper long. This again, started out as a 60-50. Depends on the implied volatility environment. When, when things get back to normal, you'll probably be back in a 60-40 again. So we're gonna do that up, go to next adjustment on the 9th of March, right? So that's a long time. <laughs> so here we have from February 5th to March 9th. So that's over a month, I basically do nothing. And at that time we were just zoning in that range. Now we're negative Delta again, we're at $405. So about 10% of our planned capital number. We're gonna make this adjustment. And in this case, we're about flat Delta. Let's go to the following day. We're negative Delta again. So we're going to roll in both the lowers and the uppers because we're, we're running into a capital issue. We're back positive Delta. And from here, that might be the end. Let's see, the March 15th. But we had a little more. So March 15th, again, we're negative Delta. We do the same thing. We roll down the lowers. We may have to do the uppers, we don't know. Yeah. Roll, roll lowers and uppers in. So you can see we're getting smaller and smaller in our position. We're 517, right? So that's more than 10% of planned capital. That's a, that's a good trade. That's a, that's a good trade that month. And this has got to the end here where we exit. And at exit, this is what we look like. And 
uh, up 642. That's if we don't expire it. If we expire it, we probably would take less. So in, the, in a case like this, I might not expire it because I have what a 537 on my expiration line. If I can get that filled at that rate, I'm going to do it. If I can't, I might do a, try a vert, see if I can get some, uh, some credit in for a vertical to get the T plus zero, the expiration line up there and then let it expire. But generally that's the way we're gonna handle that. And then when we do that, we, uh, we, have, we have our March, our April trade, which is going, and this is what the April trade looks like, you know, as of right now, I'm actually in an iron butterfly in the April. That was an error that I did. So these aren't back-tested trades. These are real-time simulated trades that we do on options trading for income, meaning we're making the decisions real-time on what to do. We're not going in back tester, which means we can't change stuff. We can't change our mind. Once it's done, it's done. And I find that a lot more powerful than back testing. But anyway, uh, I made the mistake on entry doing an iron. Not that that's a problem, but it's, you do get a little bit different analytics with an iron than you do with a uh, put butterfly on the ONE platform. And those are the examples that I have. Before I even turn this over to you, I just want to talk about, we do have downside adjustment in this. We just didn't trigger it. Generally, what we're going to do is we're going to widen the wing back out to the downside until we get into a symmetrical butterfly. And then if we have to, we, we end up rolling it to the downside. There have been downside adjustments this year, and there are normally downside adjustments on uh, certain years. But um, just happened. This, this was one of those cases where we had a three-month period without a down adjustment. And with that, I will let you go, Stephen. Okay, I'm going to go through it. And we're pushing a little bit on the time, but I think this is important for people to see how we can make this objective. As John just walked you through, you know, he wasn't looking at the charge. He was just walking through uh, simply the rules-based version. So let me know if you can see it. I see it. Okay. Yeah. So what I wanted to do, thanks for that, John. I think that laid a good foundation of what the rules-based trade looks like. And of course we had tons and tons of questions come in, but what, what's so special about this trade is you could take this, this trade, which you know, I'll talk about later is, is really a foundational trade, but it's so easy to use this trade to add with other trades. You know, it, it doesn't have to be just John's trades, but obviously we can add it to the uh, complement with the quiver of trades that John offers. And then also add our subjectivity, trading with the charts and trading, trading with our view of implied volatility and the skew. So this is this trade really lends itself to that. So that's why I call that the gateway to, to these, uh, these more advanced ways of trading this trade. And from a student's perspective, you know, John came out with this trade in the uh, trader transformation, which I believe that was in was that in 2018? I can't remember. Not that long ago. And, you know, I'm sitting here as a student watching this trade. And what really stood out to me, and I've got all of John's strategies, was the simplicity of this trade. You know, you don't have to roll up the structure like you would in an M3. It rarely ro rolls back. There's scalability and size that John showed you. And like I just mentioned, it's a foundational trade. If you want to become a master trader, I always recommend this trade to my beginning students and tell them this is something they can take all the way through to stage five. So it's such a great foundation. And it really is kind of an all weather vehicle trade, even if you don't use subjectivity. There's another piece in the program that John goes over that I think is critical, regardless of what 
trading strategy you're studying, and that's how to properly uh, interpret your back testing, how to properly and correctly internalize the feedback that you get from back testing. It's not just simply back testing to find out if it wins. You know, a smarter way to say that is 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 it is the strategy does the strategy have positive expectancy? I mean, that's not even scratching the surface of what we're trying to gain from back testing. So there's tons and tons of material on that on how to properly look at and interpret your back testing. And the third thing is like I've been saying is this strategy is, is so flexible. When we go to that discretionary slash subjective trading, you know, you can have opportunistic entries and I'll show you that as an example. You can, uh, if you want to express more positive Delta, you can pair this with a V32 strategy on the other side. If you're looking for the market to come back down and you've been in the M34U, maybe you convert into a bearish butterfly. So it's just all sorts of things you can do to dance with the market with this strategy. And we talk about how timing can really make a huge difference. We were talking about the equity curve in 2018 and 19 was rather flat. But if you applied some timing to your strategies, to your entries and exits, you could have really outperformed the rules-based version. And another thing that's been popular in the income trading community is using calendars as an adjustment on a BWB. And John actually goes in depth on how to do that in another program called How to Best Utilize Calendar Spreads. And I'll touch on that a little bit in one of my examples. What is stage four and stage five? Stage four is, is where traders graduate up from the GO membership to the pro membership, and they now have multiple strategies that they know how to use and diversify and use as complements against each other. Now, there's a certain level of subjectivity in there, Basically, we were looking for traders to understand the strength and strengths and weaknesses of the various strategies and when to use them one over the other and in a complementary fashion. Stage five is where it all comes together. You bring in the discretionary, the, the, the subjective uh, viewpoint of technical analysis, volatility analysis, recognition of skew, looking at trades in terms of risk decisions, in terms of probability. And then of course, the biggest of all is, is learning how to adapt to the market that's in front of you. And I think we've all recognized the changes that we've seen since COVID uh, and within the COVID, you know, this year has been somewhat different than last year, similar, but it's changed somewhat. But before you go into stage four or five, I think it's important to emphasize that you have to trade this trade with discipline with and using the rule sets only first. A lot of people will just go through the program, watch the videos, you're like, get it, got a couple examples, boom, they, they think they're stage five. It's a good way to get your head ripped off. You, you know, you need to you need to understand the blocking and tackling the excesses and those of any strategy and recognizing different environments. So we were talking about this the other day, John, you know, the difference between 2017 and, and now 2021 are very different. And the different right. signposts and the ways you can recognize that. John goes through that in the in the program, and you know, talking about expensive skew or less expensive skew. If you've never heard that term, uh, you can derive that from what John talks about and looking at the delta of a position in time. Okay, so what do we mean by trade the strategy subjectively? Just kind of reiterate that. You know, we're trying to trade our market expectations, right? We're not clairvoyant. We're not fortune tellers. We're not saying the market's going from X to Y. 
We're just trading on what we feel like uh, or what we believe the market is going to do based on our technical analysis skills and our implied volatility. And we're just trying to get aligned with the market, dance with the market, get get in alignment with what's happening. So we don't feel like we're fighting the market, which we can of, often feel like we're doing in, um, in crazy markets and even just quiet markets that are grinding up with implied volatility going up, which, you know, that's kind of the kryptonite of a lot of these types of trades. And ultimately, we're just trying to optimize the opportunity that's out in front of us. So that's what we're trying to do with this trade when we add the subjectivity. So I got two trades, John. I got a July okay. 2021 and I got a September 2021. They are, uh, and I'll walk through the, the chart setup and sort of a uh, short trade plan for each. Awesome. Okay. Yeah. yeah. All right. So the first one is an entry, I believe it's July 19. Uh, I'll have to look on my O&E. Yeah, July 19. And so what we're doing is we're identifying, here's a Russell the chart, excuse me, a chart of the Russell. And as you can see, it's through the entry date. But there's a clear, what I want to put out, there's a clear channel. It's pretty wide that the market has established. Really simple. I got moving averages on here. Other than that, I don't have anything else, right? So you got your range established. If we get to the bottom of this range, we've got, let's see, you know, we've touched one, two, three. I'm going to expect that to continue to do that until it proves me wrong. I don't expect a lot of people say, well, you know, that's three touches, fourth touch, and it's, it's game over. That's one thing that John really cured me of a habit of thinking that way is continue to expect the market to do what it's been doing until it proves you wrong. And I'll show you how, this really is a safe way to enter this trade. And if you are wrong, it's not such a big deal. So the quick trade plan is I want to I want to find an entry as the market's coming down. You know, say we're up in this area. I'm thinking, you know, there's a good chance it's going to come down to this swing point, maybe the bottom of the range. I'm going to be patient for that. So I want to get at the bottom of the recent range entry. I'm going to time it and I want to set up the trade where there's no upside risk. I'll have a fast stop out. I'm going to use counter adjustments to the upside if necessary. I want to do it shorter term because these two skew structures give me an attractive risk profile where I don't have to do 56 days. And I want to exit this trade no later than 7 DTE because I don't want to take on gamma risk. risk. Right. So one of the things I like to point out too, right? So you're not entering 56 days, you're entering 21 days. Right. Right. And you can do that because you understand the strategy and you understand that right now there's opportunity in the short term. Right. I can get a similar time risk profile, if you will, at roughly 21 days as I used to get in 56 days. Mm-hmm. So there's no need to go back, go uh, that far in time. And if you're paying attention and you say, wow, okay, so that means you can probably get more trades per year if that environment continues this year. And that's exactly right. You can turn your capital over and ultimately make right. more profits. Make a lot so that's more profits. Yeah. A lot more profits. So here's the entry, right? So I'm doing a 10 lot, obviously. Uh, this is, there wasn't, there wasn't a 21 day uh, option coming in. Uh, so I just picked the, the one that was closest. So it's a 25 day trade. If you'll you know, look at down at the Greeks here, you'll notice the Delta is quite high. It's but actually I'm trading. slightly outside guidelines. Right, slightly out. That was exactly. Right. I was going to say so just for, just tra- for a trade out. this size, it's, it's plus twenty, just so everybody knows. Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. Plus twenty, so I'm a little bit high. But again, I'm catching the bottom. I want to catch the bottom of the range, and I'm expecting this the market to move up. I've talked about I don't want any upside risk. I don't. I actually have. I can. I have 
profit potential of 2000 bucks if I do nothing and the market goes up here. So that's attractive. So it's meeting all my criteria. And then you say, wait a minute, what if you're wrong? What if you're wrong? Well, let's look at that. Um, let me bring this live look in. And the 19th is here. So if we come under this, the bottom of this range, or maybe even the bottom of this candle, entry candle, I'm out. So let's say that's 2080. And I want to estimate what my loss is going to be. What am I risking here? So if we go to 20. 80, which is a pretty big move, 1200 bucks. Okay, just on the absolute basis, I can risk roughly 1200 bucks. And that, that's probably a pretty conservative, um, however you mm -hmm. wanna look at it. Um, loss estimate, I'm out of the trade. But I, if I do nothing, I have a potential of 2000. So that's already right off the bat, better than one to one. Now I also recognize if the market does behave as I expect that I can, there is more potential out here. Like I talked about Allen calendars, I can roll down upper longs and continue to lift the expiration graph. So while right now it's greater than one to one, I could probably get that up to two to one. Right, so one of the things I wanna point out, Stephen is talking about taking a trade where he might lose 2000, but his gains might be, or 1200. All right, so yeah. he might lose 1200, but his gains are likely to be well over 2000. So right. this is different than a lot of people saying, I'm gonna you know, risk 10% to make 10%. And when reality is they're probably risking 15 to 20% to make 5%, right? Because when you, when you consider you can run your stop loss mm -hmm. and, and you may not hit your profit target numbers, this is very different, right? So when you take this and you, and you are risking half of what your potential is, or maybe even, you know, I don't know what this trade made, but when you're risking a very small amount of what your potential profit is, if you can set yourself up that way, you don't have to win as often and you can actually right. make a lot more money. And it actually makes the trade much easier. If you get good trade location, you're, the probabilities of the outcome really go up and actually makes it a much easier trade. Um, and again, I talked about fast stop out and I like that too, right? I'm going to know if I'm wrong really quick. If we go back to the chart, this is the entry. You know, like I said, if we get under this wick or maybe even under this range, I'm gone. And that's probably, you know, if you come down and test this, it's probably going to happen the next day or two. Mm -hmm. Um you're probably not going to retrace back up here and come back down. But by that time, I've already, I'm already i into the trade and I'm, I'm doing things to mitigate those kinds of risks. So it's really a, this kind of opportunistic entry. I'm looking for this to go my way really quickly. If it doesn't, I'm out. And I just move on and trade plan something else. So I, I find that very attractive. So let's move forward. Uh, let's see. Okay. So there's the big move right off the bat, right? So good to go there. I didn't make any adjustments, it looks like. So what I want to point out is when you're right, look it's how easy. the, the <laughs> yeah, we're, we're, the trade's almost done. Like you, you don't necessarily need to do a whole lot here. Um, it's still quite positive Delta, but you know, you immediately got great gains. Now, ever, you know, some people will say, well, yeah, you cherry picked it, but you know, well, we try to pick all of them. I mean, yeah, I mean, that's what I mean, subjective that, trading is. Yeah, that's what so, it is. You know, exactly. I would also caution people waiting on confirmation. Like you could wait on this candle, but by that time, you know, all the juice, the showing benefit, the, showing the chart. Oh, there it goes. Okay. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Is it? It's lagging. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. As, you know, some people say, well, now we've come down to the bottom, bottom of the range, but I want confirmation that it's going to bounce. So you might get it on this candle. And for me, and this is a style choice. 
that you give up all the juice, you know, the, the immediate benefit that you get for taking the risk by getting in down here. Now, I would also argue that the fact that we put in a wick on that day showed me that there was some buying demand at the end of the day on this. So that it was a good entry to get in on the day that it touched and not wait on confirmation. I say on that because people tend to wait for confirmation, confirmation, confirmation. And it's like the good trades are gone. So, you know, it's easier. To just, not only not, not only is a good trade gone, but you can get what you call confirmation and still have it reverse. So, yeah, yeah, the, the, yeah. And then you're just further from your stop. Right. We have so to let's go. It. Yeah. Yeah. So let's go forward. The market's, you know, what, 70 points plus. Here's almost 40 points. Still holding some positive delta. So I'm sitting pretty good here. The market's behaving as I would expect. Still got positive delta. It's come down a little bit. Um, you know, notice the market's moving pretty huge, but it's still directionally matching my expectations. Now, I've got, I've, I've been outside this tent quite a bit. I have been carrying some positive delta. Um, now that delta is down uh, closer to neutral, don't necessarily have a trigger. Again, I'm not trading this by the by the guidelines, but I am using the guideline deltas as a guideline, right, to kind of give me some moorings as to what I'm doing in the trade. Now, at this point, I'm not expecting the market to come back down towards the tent. So I'm expecting things to kind of live out here. And I'd like to take advantage of that. So one thing we could do is add a calendar and I'm gonna show you where I add this calendar is. I've, so just this dotted yellow line is literally the midpoint of this gigantic range. Just doing the math divided by two, top, bottom, mid range. My expectation is we're gonna kind of probably hang out there and then go up here you know, hang out here and then probably go up here to challenge these prior swing highs. So that's that's my sort of market expectation. So hang out here and then go higher. So what can I do to take advantage of that? I wanna add a calendar that's up near the midpoint. And you could, uh, so it's a little higher than at the money, right? So you could add at the money, the 2210s, but I'm choosing to add a little bit higher because I want to have a really wide profit zone. Take advantage of that. I could tighten this up a little bit if you'd like. So I add the calendar above at the money because that's where the midpoint is. And that's my expectation. Um, and so that, again, that just fits what I'm looking for the market to do. So let's go ahead a day. Playing around. Got good positive delta, right? Because I... I I, I, it's again, fits my expectations. Market's coming down. I got 25 Delta. That's still, that's a little bit over before, but I'm still maintaining my stance that we're going to hang around the midpoint of the range. It's not outside the calendar. So it's close to where I might want to make a decision on whether or not to dump the calendar. But right now I'm comfortable with it. And, I, and Stephen too, you might add, right? So you're looking at this in two different ways you're looking at one is positionally how am i positionally right. and the other one is uh you technically you could also make a technical stop out point that's higher than your entry point because now you've yep. had more market information come in and now you have new support levels set in and you can see a reversal coming yes Yes, exactly. Like what John's saying is, let's see what day we're on. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna go back to the other. The lags too long. I'll just stay on O and E. But yes, what well, once the market is put in another swing point, I could I could potentially say if that's now taken out, then I'm out of the trade. Right. Right. Exactly. Just like a trailing stop on a on trailing a, stop. Uh, yeah. On, a, on an equity. Yeah. So as you can see, the market's just dancing right around inside the, the calendar 
uh, around that midpoint, that 2230 area. So I'm, as long as it's doing that, I, I don't have a reason to do anything. Now, I, now I've got some action here. Um, let's see, got some negative delta. So that's kind of telling me, uh, you know, I don't know how much I want to carry uh, negative delta when my expectation is hang out the midpoint and then go higher. So mm -hmm. let's make an adjustment. We'll see what we do here. I reduce some negative delta by rolling in some upper longs, as you can see. Okay, um, interesting. To yeah. yeah, to prepare, I cut it in half the negative delta. I didn't want to go totally positive. And we're still within range of what I'm comfortable with, with holding a calendar. Some people might've taken that off, take the profits out of that calendar and write it. That's certainly- uh, sure very acceptable, but I just want to cut some of this negative Delta as you get ready for the market to potentially uh, make a run for those, they swing point above us. Okay. We're just kind of going back and forth, hanging right around that calendar. Um, now take note, we are at, I said that I didn't want to go beyond seven DTE and we're at 11. So now my antenna is really up. It's probably been up for the last couple of days uh, to, to really watch this trade because the gamma, although it's not necessarily high, I know that any uh, explosive move one or the other, other is going to be amplified. So I want to be thinking about that. Mm -hmm. Go to the next day. Okay. So we get... We're down to 10 days and I've got good profits in the calendar. We're negative Delta. You could stick around, but this is starting to get kind of rounded and any kind of move one way or the other is going, might uh, take some profits away from me. So for me, I'm three days from when I want to get out of the whole trade anyway. So why don't we harvest? So I take the calendar off. Go ahead. Well, you know what I say, right? You get off when you're in the middle. When the things yeah. look the best, they are, and you get a nice increase in value. You're in the middle, yeah. you know your exit date, just, just get out. Yeah. Yeah. So you take profit on the calendar. I reduce risk. So notice what I did to the BWB. And I didn't do, you know, in the rules based, it's move uh, a certain number of the contracts. And I just moved enough, rolled, I rolled in the tops, I rolled in the bottoms to take out risk. And that's probably going to be better demonstrated like this. Uh, I don't remember exactly what I did here, John, but so, something to this effect, right? So look, you know, when we went from $30,000 of risk down to 15. So mm -hmm. I'm taking out a ton of risk, maintaining similar delta. But as we get close, you know, the position is behaving so well. You could take the money and run here, but why not just de-risk the trade and see if you can squeeze out a little bit more? Um and that's how we would do that. And again, with 10 lots, you have the, the scalability issue or scalability benefit, right? I can take any number of these and roll these down. It doesn't have to be some uh, the same number every single time. Right. I just take what, I, what enough, whatever I feel like gets me to my objective. And so now, you know, the trade at this point, I don't know if I did anything else. I've only got two more days left. You get a move down. You might make a little bit. Depends on how implied volatility behaves. But I just wanted to take this trade into what I uh, the day I wanted to exit anyway. But any of these days, you could have taken the money. Um, you know, if you do, like I said, if you do get a move back, it could pop up in value. 
So if you could make a little bit sure. more. Uh, this is Thursday. This is a weekly, so I think there is one more day. Yeah, see that. And so there's the exit. I think our high water mark was a little over six thousand. Um, so we gave back a few, but you know, in terms of now, look at make note of this. Uh, it's a fifty thousand dollar trade, so we made five six. Was that twenty? So that's eleven percent gain. But after I did risk reduction, look what the the gain is, right? right. Yeah. So that's something that John does in his pro sessions that shows you, and, and there's a number of us that always amazed. We're like, John gets his, takes all the risk out of the trade and he's made now made 100% on actual cash on cash. Right. <laughs> it's right. like, how does he do that? And so that that's an advantage to, another advantage to doing subjective is you, you de-risk the trade and you know your returns from that perspective can really be really high. So it's not like you're carrying all fifty thousand dollars or twenty, or excuse me, twenty-five thousand dollars. Yeah, I had that wrong. It was uh, we made five six over twenty-five. We made twenty-two percent on plan capital from using twenty-five thousand as plan capital. We made right. It was a ten lot. That have been twenty-five thousand. Yes. Yeah. Twenty-two percent. Yeah. So that's good. Yeah. Twenty-two yeah. percent is outstanding. And again, on on the basis of actual by the end after I de-risk, it's even better. So that is. That trade, would you like me to show you another one, John? Yeah, yeah, sure. But you, you want to run through the questions really quick because you got a bunch of questions here. Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's do it real fast. And you, I think uh, they're mostly you. I think the lag times on my end because everybody says they see your screen right away. I just don't. Okay. Um, you want to read them just out? Say, or? Uh, he just says here. Um, all right. So I see. Okay. So this is just, I use the old version of ONE. Steven uses the new version of ONE. Yeah. I don't, Think they're significantly different. Um, I just haven't updated yet. I, I just yeah. I don't you, update you, till I have to. See yeah, the only, updates right away. <laughs> yeah, the only thing that's different is you can tab these. I can open up another risk profile graph, and I have a tab, so I could set this one up to SPX, um, and have a couple of trades open. And other than that, there's maybe one or two other feature differences. Right. And someone in the Go membership too that asked about that, how to do that. So. Yeah. Maybe maybe you can tape that into the thing later. Okay. Um, so, am I determining where? Are you determining where you want to be under the tent, based on technicals or Greeks? Both. Um, subjectively, it's primarily um, my technical view. But like I said before, I'm using the rule set deltas as a guideline. Like. If I'm, I think I was sitting almost plus 30 delta, you know, in relative terms, how is that to the guidelines? Well, the guidelines is 20, so I'm, I'm a little bit over that. So I wanna right. know that. If the guideline was five delta plus five and I'm sitting at plus 30, then I need to know, hey, that's pretty aggressive. Am I okay with that? Right, excellent. Okay, so um, SPX 24.5, do you think it'll be forced modifications on my SPX strategy? So I guess that's a question for me. And the answer is no. Uh, we only check our strategies once a day anyway. So it doesn't matter if the open, market's open two hours or if it's open 24 hours. I'm um, still going to check it once a day. I'm not getting into yeah. this thing where I'm watching the market all day. You know, yeah, right I hadn't, I, yeah, and I hadn't heard that. No, the liquidity won't be, will be so bad after hours. You won't want to execute that anyway. That's very possible, yeah, as well. And you know, for you guys that's, uh, that are in other countries that you want to trade it to in the morning, I mean, you have to see how the liquidity is. But my guess yeah. is what Stephen said, because even if you're trying to trade IWM after hours, it's it's a bear I've tried before. 
Um, yeah, it's not good. And uh, Chuck's asking why a calendar versus a butterfly. You can use either or the the market environment. If you understand how calendars behave, especially recently, there are some advantages based on the skew that we're seeing. Um, and so that's that's really the reason there. Okay. Yeah. I mean, that's a, that's a complex subject to get into, but yeah, they, it is. But it's a good short answer. That they, they they both work. It's just this skew environment. Let's say that if you were in a much well, anyway, it, it can get in a long conversation, but it just suffice it to say that the uh, the environment is just a little more favorable for that. But you could use either one, right? And there are times when one's more favorable than the other for sure. Yeah, um, that's a longer conversation. So, okay, uh, do you use TTM squeeze in your decisions? Which is you know what TTM uh, squeeze? That's is. just an indicator. You know, I, I like yeah. to look for that if there's going to be a large move might be happening, but it's you know like the last thing on my list of things I'm looking at. <laughs> from a technical yeah. standpoint. And next, how often are you wrong on your market outlook when positioning your trade? If we are not in a, if we are not good at predicting, what can we do? Right, so I got a quick comment and I'll turn it to, and, and just be, be careful with your language. We're not predicting. Mm-hmm. It, and, and again, John did a great job of hammering this home with me. I think it's subconsciously we think of that, right? Like, oh, this is the prediction, or this is this is the uh, what we're forecasting. And if you really start using the word expectations, it right. it, it, it amazingly enough, just you know, language matters. Matters, right? John's a certified NLP. Language matters, and when you John would constantly say, "This is what I expect the market to do." When it doesn't do that, it gives me MGI, and MGI is simply an acronym for market-generated information, and I can act upon that. It's not simply; it's not about binary outcomes, right? Oh, I'm wrong. It's oh, okay, the market didn't do what I expect. Now let me shift gears to get realigned with ha- what's happening in the market. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, by setting up, see. And this is the problem most people have, even with directional trading. I mean, you can do be a fantastic directional trader if you just use the, the technical skills that we teach you, right? We're not predicting or depending on the market to go a certain way. Also saying, and then Steve, you mentioned probabilities is what John taught me, right? So there's probabilities. There's not always probabilities, but there's areas where the price hits certain things where it's very probable the market's going to do something. In other words, more probable than 50%, maybe more probable than 80%, but we never know where it's going to go. But the thing is, we're going to set up expectations. And, you know, if you know what the the market should do technically, right, so there's certain, if if you know technical analysis, the market should do certain things. We hit a support point, the market should, you know, react a certain way off of that point. As the market you know, starts coming away from that support point, it should act a certain way if it's going to continue. So if we have these yeah. expectations in play, we can really gauge whether the market's doing what we're expecting it to or not. And we, we can position size differently and we can do that. But we also right. have a plan in place for it not to meet our expectations. Right. And when we go ahead, Stephen, I can tell you want to say something. <laughs> yeah, yeah, sorry. No, I was just going to say real quick. I, 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 apologize, but to specifically to Alexander B's question, what is a great exercise is, you know, just by the way you framed your question, I know you need to continue to still trade the rules-based version, okay, until you really understand right. strength and weaknesses of the trade. But what you can do is while you have the rules-based version 
let's say you're trading a two lot live, open up a paper version and trade that subjectively. So not only will you see how the trade behaves relative to what your expectations are in the market, but then you could compare it to the rules base and glean other information and make other observations like what, how, how each adjustment, assuming you're adjusting them differently because one's subjective and one's rules-based, how that impacted the trade. And you'll start to see, well, this is a pretty resilient trade. And, and if we have time, I'll go with this other example. When you are quote unquote wrong or the market expectations don't meet, this trade is very resilient in any case. So, but that's a good exercise to start to understand how the trade reacts when the market does something you don't expect. Right. And then as far as the question is, what, you know, what if we're not good at it, right? So he said predicting, but we're not predicting. Yeah. What, what if we're not good at technical analysis? And, yeah. You know, what, yeah. What, if, what if my two-year-old comes up to me and says, or my two-year-old grandson comes up to me when he gets to two and he says, I'm not good at walking. What if I'm not good at walking? You freaking practice walking, right? Yeah. Screen so time. Yeah. It's like anything else you're not good at. You, 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 you focus on the right things to learn how the market behaves. And it yeah. takes practice and it takes time and it takes effort, but the rewards for doing so are absolutely incredible. And John yeah. does go through, I believe, I believe you do four videos of technical analysis in stage one to lay that foundation of how to read the market um, right. in the and style course, that John does. So that's available to you in, in the uh, Go membership. Right, exactly. And then, of course, the with the market outlook, we go into all kinds of crazy mm -hmm. topics right, with technical analysis. Yeah. And, and it's, it's something that you get the hang of, you know, and again, you know, John's not doing anything and, and, and I don't do anything more. It's, you know, it's horizontal support and resistance. There's diagonal lines. We do use uh, cup and handle patterns or box, box patterns and then project where the market may go off of those patterns. You know, right. that's the other th thing. We're yeah. not using crazy indicators. We're not right. using TTM. We're not using momentum indicators. We're just nope. looking at price action, looking yep. at the patterns, looking at the cycles, and the simple broad view of things. Yeah. 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 And that's all we have to do because we're not day trading. We're, right. we're, we have this trade. We're going to be trading over the next so many days. And it's a swing we, trade. Yeah. We want to get it. We want to get an idea of what the market movement is, where it's likely to be in 50 days and what path it's likely to take to get there. And then as the trade goes on, we can modify that as new information comes into the marketplace. Yeah. Simple as that. Yeah. Can a new person right, trade. This yeah, an IWM. Uh, yeah, I mean, you get the commission thing. I'd probably actually go with the MRUT over the IWM if I was going to do it anyway. You would it's, do what? Sorry, what was that? The MRUT. Oh. It's one-tenth the size of the Russell. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's a new product, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's a new product, yeah. Okay. I know, I know liquidity's not up yet, but it's not really going to matter. But I'd probably do that over doing an asset and... Yeah, commissions are going to be an issue. So you just have to keep that in mind. I mean, with this trade here, there's not that much in commissions compared to some of the other ones. You know, if I was going to do a bull trade, it really wouldn't matter. Now, I haven't actually traded the MRUT, so I don't know. I haven't back traded the MRUT. I haven't traded it. So the, the one thing you got to watch out for is I know the implied volatility skew curves are different in the IWM mm. than they are the Russell. So good to know. Yeah. Right. So you're so you may have mm -hmm. to do something to adapt to that which a new trader is not going to know how to do that. So I'd rather just put them in the Russell. Uh, the MRUT, I would think, are probably closer to what the Russell actually is, but I don't know for sure because I haven't really looked at it enough. Now, what's been your experience, John, doing it as a one lot and using five strike as your adjustability? Well, the five, doing that is fine, except that the five strikes haven't been available. 
Ah, that they're not always there. Yeah, they haven't been there. So I used to say it's $2,500 or $2,000 minimum size. But uh, if you do that, you can use the five-point strikes. But the five-point strikes lately haven't been there for the Russell. You could use – you could offset that by using the MRUT. Right. So, but then you have two yeah. different assets, and it's harder to monitor. But you could right. you could do five MRUT call, right. you know, five MRUT verticals off of right. your Russell, and be doing halfway that way too. But um, okay. anyway, uh, it gets complicated. If you want to keep it simple, just trade it the size. <laughs> yeah, it's like there's a calendar versus butterfly question. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah if Steve says there's no liquidity in the MRUT at this point. I wouldn't even worry about that. I, when I started trading the Russell, there was no liquidity in the Russell either. So. Um, and I never had a problem executing stuff. If it was a stock, I would say yes, it's a problem. In an index option, the market, the market's gonna, the market maker will mark, make a market for it. That's my, been my experience. I mean, I can't say that for sure necessarily, but that my my experience has been that the market maker will make a market for it. You don't need any liquidity there. Same thing with the NDX too. By the way, we trade that. There's no liquidity. Very little liquidity there too. Stephen, you want to hit that question from? Uh, yeah, the so the calendar is positive. Vega, I alluded to, the, John's got a calendar, of course. And th- this was something that I think really separates John as an educator, right? So you've got, I'll use the quick example of you've got the engineer, the architect that's drawn up the plans for a building, right? And he's seeing everything that works just perfectly on paper in front of his computer. And then the contractor who's out in the field is like, this isn't going to work. This is the right. reality here. We're not in, you know, your computer CAD system where everything works perfectly. And that's what John has, has done just through experience and, and diving deep into options is that what many times is taught as theory is not what happens in, happens in actuality. So a calendar can be both positive at behave as a negative Vega trait. It can behave as a positive Vega trait. It depends on how skew is impacting the horizontal skew is impacting the options that you're dealing with. So, right. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. yeah. No, that's, that's, that's really a good point, right? So a novice person is going to come in, they're going to look at this, say, hey, this trades positive Vega. Therefore, if the implied volatility goes up, I'm going to make money. And that's not true. Because right. if you were dealing with a single option, that would be true. But you're dealing with a, a just an average of a bunch of different options. Yeah. yeah. And just to be clear, yeah, the position will show positive Vega because it's coming from that back month option. But that doesn't mean it will behave like a positive Vega trade. So I, I'm not saying that the Greeks will show positive Vega. It will show, or excuse me, I'm not saying that the position will show a calendar as a negative Vega trade. It will show positive Vega, but I'm saying it, it, it oftentimes, especially recently, will behave as a negative Vega trade, depending on conditions. Right. And if you can't answer the question, why does a, a, a does a calendar show positive Vega, then you really don't even understand what's going on under the hood at all. Right. Yeah. So, you know, what is the specific reason for that? Which, you know, I'll save that for my for my calendar class or our members. Yeah, and but... it's really a complex issue. It's a very effective uh, yeah. tool, but there is an extra level of understanding with calendars because you can really get in trouble because you, you have the implied volatility shift on you the wrong way and you're expecting something that you can really get hurt. So if, yeah. if you really want to get further educated on that, I recommend John's calendar course. Yeah, the other thing with a calendar too, or, or anytime you get with different expiration cycles, your expiration line is no longer a stable line. 
like in a butterfly, this, this expiration line is, is, is a broken wing butterfly all in the same cycle. Your expiration right. line is rock solid. That is the value of the traded expiration period. Right. Good point. Not the, not the case with a calendar. You can lose uh, more, more than what the model shows you. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Yep. Uh, you want to just I, run through that other example really fast? If, or? Absolutely. If you'd like, here's got another trade. This sure. again, we got the Russell. We're at the midpoint and this is in September. So, you know, this Actually, is an example. Before you jump into that, Stephen, yeah. just, uh, just a reminder, again, the, we're having a sale for those of you who jumped in late because we had a bunch of people who jumped in late. Yeah. Let me just uh, share. steal the screen yeah. really quickly here. We're having a Black Friday sale on 3.4U trading strategy, normally $12.95 until November 29th. We have $350 off for our pro members, only $895. So that's a fantastic discount for that. For our gold members, only $1,045. And our basic members, we get $50 off at $1,195. And just to get there, again, we are going to, if you're a member, you just come in here, you go into the in the community, you go to your go discounts or your pro discounts, whether you're a go or a pro, and you just click buy now. If you are a non-member, I suggest you join as a basic member because you get a discount that way. And just come over to our main site, which is here. Go to trading courses. This is an options strategy course, M3.4U. You're going to have the buttons here. Okay. I'll turn this back over to Stephen. Okay. So I'm going to show you an example of entering this trade subjectively when you don't really have a firm opinion on the marketplace and what's happening in the price action. So I've got this shaded area or I've got this area shaded just to point out, you know, there's really nothing that's indicating um, any kind of a pattern, you know, sure, I can manufacture something that I'm seeing, but just in general terms, it's just sort of messy. So let's see, you know, this trade is kind of made for that, right? It can handle upside, I can control risk, I can control my risk largely to the downside. So entering this trade this year in the middle of the range, which I know John has done and his live trading quite a bit, is rather attractive. So even when you don't have a strong market opinion, um, this trade can still be used subjectively. Now, what you don't want to get caught into is a situation where you're like, well, I'm looking for this great opportunity trade. You know, I gave the one earlier where it came down to the bottom of the range. Well, you don't want to sit like for weeks and weeks and weeks for your entry to happen, right? <laughs> That's time going by that you could be deploying capital and have a trade on. So sometimes you got to just jump in and uh, position the trade in such a way that can handle any situation to the downside and to the upside within reason. So here's our trade plan. No clear charting trigger. We are in the middle of the range. I don't want to enter this trade at the top of the range. If I'm expecting it to mean revert, a bearish butterfly or something more with negative doses would work, right? So um, I want it to be able to handle the top or bottom of the range. It's more, this is going to be more flow trading where you're taking in information that, that the market gives you is coming in every day and making some decisions. And I want to control, really uh, control the risk as the market unfolds. So I don't want to, I'm not right. necessarily putting my risk one side or the other because the market's messy. Whereas clearly in the other example, I had all my risks to the downside. Right. And, and Stephen points out an important thing there. When we do not have information that gives us the probability of a market moving in either direction, we don't try and force an opinion. We just say we right. don't have enough information. Let's go neutral. We know an right. M3.4U is extremely dynamic trade. It's, you know, you can handle the big up moves, you can handle the big down moves. 
so you know you can enter in that position. And then if new information comes into the marketplace that actually does give you probabilities, like if we come back down to that support point, then we can then modify the trade. Right. To deal with deal with the probabilities as they come in. Yeah. Good. Yeah. Go for it. Yeah. So yeah, exactly. And so you know, this I'm not necessarily right on my market opinion or where I think things are going to go, but you'll notice that the trade, like I said, is still still quite resilient. Now, notice that I enter this trade with more time because I'm a little more uncertain. With the other trade, I had a, a more of a a directional viewpoint, right? So I was willing to take the trade at less time. The one before was 25 days. But again, this is not at 56 days because of the special skew environment we're in. It's at 35 days. So I'm giving myself more time than the prior trade, but certainly still less than the, than the guidelines version. And if you'll notice, I am flat delta because I don't really know which way the market wants to go. So we'll just kind of see how this, uh, what information the market gives us as we move along. So I'm, I'm just basically flat delta. I do have risk to the upside, but this trade can handle that. I got plenty of time. And let's see, one, two, three, four, five, right? So that's another thing to point out. The base trade is 26 delta. Well, I don't want that much positive delta because if that if I entered that and the market's going back and forth, I mean, obviously, you know, I don't want my risk down here. There's too much risk down there. So I'm going to move these upper longs higher and another trade there and take a more neutral posture. Okay. Mm -hmm. So let's go next day. Market's not doing anything. Woo, big move down, still within parameters. So, you know, in this kind of case, John, as you know, I'm more or less going to use the guidelines right. until new information comes in. Because we, know, we know the guidelines are solid. We know, right. you know, you, you know, traded completely non subjectively, they're fine. So, right. If you stay within the guidelines, then you're fine, right? <laughs> I mean, yeah, and then, you know, and yeah. if a pattern or something obvious is not forming, then, you know, uh, keep your hands on home base and play with the, the rules. There's no reason to get outside of them. Right. And quite frankly, you know, a lot of people, or at least when I first started trading, when the market got under the shorts, it made me nervous. But this trade, it, you know, we could be out here and we're totally right. fine. And mm -hmm. that, that's really, really different. Some people was asking, what's the difference between this and the M3? Well, that's one of them. You know, you're not rolling the trade up and, and putting a hole out front. You're not rolling just uh, blindly when you get under the shorts or 10 points or under the shorts. So, you know, if you could get the um, market to just bandy about inside the tent, this thing's just going to rise and rise and rise. So I'm saying that because that's a lot of people, or at least I did, I won't speak for everybody, you get a little nervous when you're inside the tent. With this trade, you kind of want to, it's not a bad thing. No, it's fine. Yeah, You want to be around there. Um, to, you know, not with five days to go, or obviously, but in this situation. So again, nine delta within parameters. Put that back up. I kind of like that. Still within parameters. So the market's just kind of doing what I expected, right? There's, Dancing all around. Okay, boom, we get the big down move. Still within parameters. Surprising, right? I've got plenty of time in this trade, 25 days, relatively speaking, and it's still less than our delta limit. And I'm outside the tent. I don't right. I don't I still don't have a market opinion. So you could. Uh, actually, you know what? I did make an adjustment. I trimmed the delta. I thought I did, I was, but I didn't recognize. So yeah, let me let me start over, guys. So it is just a little over our delta limit. 
So, but I don't necessarily have a market opinion. So let me trim that some. So I move a number of these upper longs uh, higher. To, right. To, now, to, a, to a standard adjustment. A standard adjustment would be five, right? Because it, you have to do yeah. half. But you're doing that subjectively. You're only doing three. Right. Uh, and the reason is, is because reversal risk. Well, if this thing really reverses hard, it's going to get hurt up here more than I'm comfortable with. Right. And you just want to make sure you're in parameters. You don't want to get. And yeah. this is a good, that's a good gauge, right? Plus 20, so this is a good gauge yeah. to have. Because I don't have a market opinion, you know? And yeah, if, I mean, if it smashes down another 50 points, uh, you know, it's still not really a max loss. So, you know, if what I like to do is go down 30, 40, 50 points and see what the model estimates where the position will be. And if I'm comfortable with that without a strong market opinion, then I'll just go with what I got. Right. right. Keeping it in um, Delta limits, Delta guidelines. So we'll go the next day, boom, there's the bounce. So you notice the pat the market is just getting batted around like ping pong here, right? So it's um, really kind of fitting what I'm expecting. I don't think I did a trade today. It's in guidelines, flat delta, market up, did, did a trade today. Let's see what it was. Okay, so again, I'm just playing by the guidelines. It's over our delta limit inside the tent. Now the market has come down. Looks like it makes another run higher. So let's cut that uh, negative delta roughly in half. So we do that. Now the market's higher again. Same routine. It's negative uh, 23 delta. We're not over the upper long, but I want to cut that down within limits. And I move just enough to do that. Right, because obviously you're in a choppy environment, right? And this is, you know, yeah. people, how do I know I'm in a choppy environment? Well, I'm adjusting yeah. up and adjusting down, right? Yeah. So yeah. there's different adjustment increments that are beneficial for choppy markets versus a trending yeah. market. Yeah. Right, and it, you know, and as you can see, the P&L, I don't remember what the higher watermark was so far, but it's, you know, not necessarily knocking it out of the park, but I'm staying with the trade. It's resilient. I'm not drawn down. It's still more markets more or less doing what I want. And just because it has gained a ton of value, I've been in the trade for 13 days, doesn't mean I quit on it. I don't have a reason to. Mm -hmm. Market comes back. It's a borderline on whether you adjust. I'm going to leave it because the market's uh, skittish, not skittish, Sybil. <laughs> up, down, <laughs> up, down. Right. I don't want to over adjust is my point. But now it looks like we may have a declaration. Right, so we've moved up. I'm assuming that may be close out of range. I'm not going to check the charts yeah. because I didn't have a market opinion anyway. Um, right. And, and you, one has not developed. Right. Yeah. So uh, 28 delta, we're above the upper long. So now that's uh, the market. Like I said, maybe declaring it wants to go up. So I want to cut cut back that cut that back. Now I could go positive delta. I didn't go all the way. Um, I rolled seven down to bring all of them together at the 2260 strike. I want to maintain a little bit of negative delta. One reason is because I'm at 18 days, um, pretty close to taking all the risk out to the upside. So if the market wants to run, I can probably, uh, well, not probably, I, I shouldn't have a problem getting this to zero. You know, I might make any money, but if my opinion was, is that we weren't going to break out. So um, it looks like I've made a note that 23.5, is the next swing point the market may make a run for. That's not that far away. 20 points in the market with an ATR of 40 is a half a day move. So I'm kind of close to that. So if I'm expecting 23.5 in the market to back off, I don't want to over adjust this. 
Right, right. And, and you know, basically you're just staying just a little bit outside of guidelines with that. Right. So. Yeah. So I went from 28 to three. That's a pretty big change, but I don't need to take it all the way positive. Given, given what Because we're in a choppy market. Right. right. And we want to adjust less aggressively in a choppy oh, market. Oh, and boom. Funny how that works. The 44. market comes back. It's drawing the trade down. Um, right. And I'm over right. over delta limits here. And you can just see the T plus zero line. I'm taking on a lot of downside risk. I I'm not comfortable with that. Uh, we're ticking down in time, 18 days. So let's adjust that trade, move, move these up. Still take it to positive delta. You know, one could argue that's too much. Depends on how you're comfortable uh, with. You could get to the back of the tent. You probably max loss out somewhere out here. That's not my expectation of where the market is going to go. So I'm willing to take that risk. But as you can see, given the you know 68 points down and 70 points up, the market, the, the trade's not really drawn down that much. Right. So yeah, resilient. That's going to be a $2,500 maximum loss, right? Probably. Yeah. yeah. Pretty, pretty resilient, right? So here we, we bounce. Or, uh, or we, excuse me, we don't, don't do much. Get a little value comes into the trade. I'm okay with the delta. So we're back to this game of being inside the tent. Now the gamma is getting up there and I have to have to be concerned with the T plus zero line, but so far I'm, I'm okay with what's happening in the market. Positive 15 Delta, you know, at this point you could have some negative, you could have a little, little positive. It doesn't really matter if you're sticking with the expectation that, um, I just wanna see if the market did go up there. Yeah, see it went up to meet this 23.5 um, swing point. It didn't quite get there, but it did back off. So it's still behaving. It's just, it's kind of in a channel within a channel, which is what I've right. been expecting. So let's don't over adjust it. Let's keep, keep it relatively flat. So we're bouncing around, getting a little value. 22 Delta, you could argue that's too high. Yeah, um, see the other thing too, we can point out too, Stephen, is the fact you're getting knocked back and forth is telling you something. Yeah. Right, yeah. it's telling you that your game is too high, which means yeah. how do we fix that? We go further on to expiration. So yeah, you know, now you, you get the trade yeah. to back. Like this is one thing that you you might want to look at. You get the trade back to a little bit positive. You just pop out of this and get to, yeah. get into something a little more appropriate for what the market's yeah. doing. I could kick this yeah. back to thirty five days, like where I started. I could exit the trade now and just call it, you know, a little small win. Right. But I do. Yeah. So, I mean, obviously, as you'll see in this trade, at any point going forward from here, you can make any number of decisions. But what I want to demonstrate is if you stick with the trade, don't mm -hmm. over adjust, don't overthink. You can get some pretty good results. Does that come with some risk? Absolutely. But this is, you mm -hmm. know, we're demonstrating what what the trade can do. So, you know, here's one of those days. Right. Big value pop. Let's go back a day. We were down twenty two. Now we're up 12, but a huge, we call that high value day. Now, most people in our community would say, you know, I've been batted around like a rag doll during this trade. I'm at 10 DT, got a huge value pop. The marbles at the top of the hill, probably a good day to take it, take the trade off. Most people would. Right. But let's assume you want more out of the trade. And we'll continue on. Flat Delta, market moves back. Now, now you can see the gamma is really starting to increase because we're getting curvature here, getting some curvature here before the market's coming down, before any adjustments, it's well above our uh, delta limit to the downside. So let's just correct that and stay with the trade. 
<laughs> yeah. Raymond says, sell. Yeah. You could take, <laughs> yeah, right, right. again, like I said, any, any day going forward, and I'm just demonstrating the different well, decision. There's, a few, there's yeah. a few appropriate things you can do, right? If you, you know, you get knocked back and forth. You can roll in your lower wings to yep. upper outer wings to flatten your gamma. You can go to a yep. different expiration cycle or you can, or you can, or you can hang with it. There's nothing wrong with it. It's just it's a little bit yep. more active that way. Like John's talking about this, how we, we pinch it in from both sides. We're taking the risk out from $18,000 of capital to 12. Um, you can be more aggressive with that. Absolutely. I think I'd do that later in the trade. Right. Um, this is, you know, trading this live would be a little different. I mean, I, I probably would have gotten out on the high value day pot, but I, I'm trying to demonstrate the decision sure. trees one would go through if they decided to stay with it. Sure. sure. So, yeah. Yeah. So we cut this delta back to 16. That's within limits. Uh, you know, yeah, at this point, any aggressive move is going to take you out. However, if it continues to do what it's been doing, we've got a lot of profit potential. Right. Mm -hmm. So that that's you don't want to get, you know, some people, they do what they call they trade their P&L. I'm married to the $3,000 open position profit. And so you're trading your P&L. Trade the trade. Trade what you, the market's telling you. If John you is if, if you're trading so your P and L, you should exit. Yeah, yeah right. <laughs> John calls right. it getting married to married to the uh, married to the uh, profits, right? Yeah. As soon as, you're as, trading, soon, as, as soon as you're getting really resistant to drawing this three thousand down to zero, you, you, you it's time yeah. to leave. Yeah. Yeah, and and Steve makes a good uh, a point, and you might address this real quick, John. Is take half of the flies off. I know that's not necessarily some something that you're a fan of, and um, in other types of trading, that's really uh, something that people always recommend, you know, take some profits off. But I know John generally doesn't like to do that, although you could. Um, I will, I will do that in directional trading, but I won't yeah. do that in this type of trading usually. Because you, um, you don't like to take the opportunity off the table and you can control your risk in other ways, right? Right. In other words, I can roll it in and keep the same delta and keep the same delta numbers and lessen my frequency of adjustments. But if I cut the size, I really should be cutting my delta numbers also, right? So yeah, at least that's the way I look at it. So then I'm still making the adjustments yeah. every day. So I mean, yeah. I, so yeah. Go ahead. Sorry. Yeah. I mean, I could cut the I could cut the size and keep my delta numbers the same, but that yeah. starts to throw me, you know, either. Right. But that you know, that's just the different. Again, either way, you're adapting to it, so it's all fine. Yeah, it's trader's choice. This is what John's talking about is bringing in both ends. He's taking some risk out. But the as you'll notice, the opportunity, profit potential, isn't, isn't impacted as much as if you took half of it off. Yeah, um, I think if you took half it off, your impact would be a lot. Yeah. yeah. Um, so let's move forward if we're okay with that. Okay, pretty good 36 point move, which given that we're at eight days, you know, everything's amplified when you have less time, pretty big move. Uh, but look at the PL. probably had a volatility relief, even though you had a big move, it didn't lose value. As a matter of fact, you could argue it gained a little value. Obviously the Delta is way too high. So let's correct for that and try to continue to ride this trade. Now let's see, did I roll in? Yeah, I rolled in lower longs rolled in um, upper longs. So let's leave. This is what I did. You, I call this de-risking. You can call it pinching the trade, reverse harvesting. There's all these different terms, but basically what you're doing is you're trying to, you know, we, I don't remember what our high margin was. It was probably 20,000 at one point. Now we're down to 10. We've got 30, right. 32. I mean, this is exactly where you want to be in your trading, right? When things are going your way, you want to take out risk, correct your delta, 
um, and lower your exposure. So this is 17 Delta. We are just over the front, uh, upper long. So you could, you know, again, I'm not guidelines trading it, but I'm watching this hump. Again, any aggressive moves going to be going to be hard uh, hard on the PL, but we want to demonstrate. Right. Well, again, you're, you're minus 17 delta, which is over limits. But the thing is, the reality is if the feedback from the trade tells you that you're better off not adjusting. You're better <laughs> off not adjusting. Because right? that's, that's what the market's been doing, right? It's been, yeah, it's been it's dropping it back and forth. Or, or now, notice minimal. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And that, and, and you know, that's something that takes uh, when you make that jump from a rules-based trader to subjective is over-adjusting is one of the hardest things to get rid of, mm -hmm. or at least the urge. But notice to the upside, I've taken up, almost taken out all the risk so that I'm not as worried. You know, I certainly don't, I'm not thrilled with giving back this money, but I'm, like John said, the market is continuing to play right around where I've got this position. And there's so much more opportunity. I could stick with this trade and there's not any risk to the upside. I'm starting to take it out to the downside. This could all go wrong. You know, I could go down to max loss, but again, these are the choices that you can make. You could have gotten out two or three different times in this campaign. Again, market comes right back down. It's not running away from us, right? So before any adjustments, we're negative 25. It's, I mean, this is just almost uh, not necessarily ideal, but it's not putting us in too much trouble. Got a big value pop there. You know, uh, if we had 100 people in the class trading this live, probably 80 of them are out of the trade by now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right, right? right. You're at 7 DTE. You had a hey, big value guy. pop day. The guys that take the risks make the big gains. I mean, the yeah, I mean, this is the trade where John's demonstrating in our pro session. I'm like, yeah, he totally took this off, right? No, no. <laughs> he stays with it because <laughs> he knows he can control the parameters. And more importantly, he's okay if he if he gives half of this back or more. He's okay. He's not married to this profit. And that's how he makes the six to seven thousand on a 10 lot or higher. Um, and that takes experience and really understanding the trade and feeling confident. It's definitely it's not something that comes in overnight, but it is it is pretty amazing to watch um, somebody extract really excessive gains. So here's another big value pop today. You know, the, the 100 people in the room, 80 are gone. There's probably only five people left in the trade now, right? <laughs> so, yeah, right. <laughs> so, you know, for the five people that maybe are, maybe are still in this trade, we'll carry it another day. Your flat delta see what this did. The market is still not running away from our tent. We're at 22, negative 22, a little bit of added value. Um, right. Now, see, I might, just, I might be just arbitrarily rolling the wings at this point to get my delta, my gamma flat, yeah. but I'd probably yeah, still and, stay in it. Right? Yeah, and I did, right? So yeah, I've taken it from 13,000 to 10,000. You could be even more aggressive. Roll some of this. You, could, you could be more aggressive with bringing in both ends. Absolutely. That cuts it to negative 10. And we're gone. Oh, you're finally out. My goodness. <laughs> yeah, right. So at two DTE, if you're willing to stay that long, you know, you potentially could make anywhere from 3000 to 9000 in this trade while taking risk out. Right. And We've you probably 10,000 in this thing. Yeah. And I don't know what your exit loss trigger was on the trade, but you probably made more than more than that, right? So yeah. in other words, your risk reward ratio is really yeah. good there. Yeah, going to this trade, it would have been just standard 2,500. So 
you know, our first exit, we could have taken 3000 off. So that's more than one to one. I remember we had all upside risk when we started this trade. But when we marry that with what's going on in the market, at least what we expect, there's all sorts of potential. Yep. Absolutely. That's it. And that's it. All right. So doesn't really have too much more for questions here. So I have to describe a floating butterfly, Raymond, if I talk about that. So uh, <laughs> we, we won't talk about that for now. But I mean, you can continue to take risk out. Yeah. All right. So thank you, everybody, for joining us. It was a fantastic presentation. Thank you, Stephen. Before you go, if you haven't seen that, just let me just share my screen quickly here. And there's the floating butterfly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's going to do the floor. Uh, I'll stop sharing. Here you go, John. There you go. That's okay. Yeah, here we go. So just everybody, just a reminder, again, we are uh, having a sale on the M3.4 strategy, and it's till November 29th, normally 1245. Basic members, 1195. Go members, 1095. And pro members, 895. To get that, you simply go to lockinyoursuccess.com. If you're a member, again, you go into the forums, go down to your discounts with your Go or a Pro member, you can go here. And then if you're a basic member, then you want to go to, if you're not a basic member, you can sign up for basic membership for free. And then you can go to, you can go to here, go to trading courses, and you have to click that uh, options trading strategies and then in 3.4U and it can be bought in here. And you'll also be getting emails and so forth. This recording will be available to you for a limited time. So if you want to watch again, you can do that. And I believe that's all I have. And it looks like uh, that's all we have for questions. So thank you for joining us and sticking with us for two hours, especially you guys who, uh, who hung in here. I hope you find it really interesting. Stephen and I thank you and trade well. Hope you considered the M3.4U strategy course. It's a fantastic strategy. Have a great week. Thanks, guys. Thank you.